Welcome, welcome, welcome to Above Replacement Radio. I am your host, Chris Gianta. I might be becoming a bad baseball fan who can't enjoy the romantic things because of advanced statistics. 15 years from now, I want to be on the early baseball committee. Over there on the other side of the screen is Daniel Kern. I literally have the fan graphs hoodie, the baseball reference t-shirt, just repping some stats, you know what I'm saying? It's not necessarily Hall of Fame. It's not necessarily above average, but we can guarantee you we are better than just the standard replacement level college sophomore. And welcome to Above Replacement Radio, where we're talking baseball kind of whenever. I'm your host, Christian over there. To my actual left, as you cannot see on YouTube, unfortunately, is Daniel Curran. How you doing, Daniel? Chris, I am doing well today. It is Monday, April 17th. We are entering, I believe, week four of the MLB season now. Um, week three and a half. Three and a half, four. Yeah, kind of yeah. weird. But it's been a lot of fun, of course, yep. you know, as we expected. Um, yeah, I don't know. N- not too much to, to talk about right now that we haven't already. Right, yeah. It, you know, it is sometimes it is hard to find subjects and stuff. You know, we do have subjects for today. But, like, especially at this point in the year, you know, we've talked about the Rays twice. Mm-hmm. But, um, but, yeah, no one has necessarily stood out broken away on the uh, – on either side, like the A's have the worst record at three yeah. and thirteen, but no one didn't really expect that. Um, you know, teams are kind of like uh, in the middle for the most part. Um, but yeah, uh, yeah, it's it's just fun having games on, fun watching. You know, some of our favorite players play and and whatnot. I know personally, like I've had uh, a lot of stuff to like work on for school or extracurricular activities and just had the tv on in the background all day um you know it helps out when when you got day games too and you got like 10 hours of baseball to watch so it's been great yeah it's been yeah i mean it's it's good to have baseball back i know that it's been three weeks but i i needed it back for sure yeah and and we got you know like six and a half more months of it which is great it's awesome pretty cool actually yeah i i think i think that's a plus yeah um but uh but yeah there's um you know some things happening in baseball uh today's uh patriots day so the as as we are recording um the uh, red sox are about to they just got delayed oh they just got delayed yeah well they'll kick off at some point um in the afternoon hopefully but uh what's you know, what What should we get into first today? Uh, well, we got a couple extensions to talk about. One of them is just breaking. Uh, Craig Mish, uh, a Miami reporter, has a uh, had a had a scoop that uh, hasn't gone hasn't like picked up been picked up by the national reporters yet. Uh, he writes for the Miami Herald, but the Minnesota Twins and pitcher Pablo Lopez are closing in on a four year, seventy three and a half million dollar extension per sources agreement to be finalized soon. Uh, Craig Mish is a guy that's always been pretty on top of things. Uh, I remember he was pretty much the main reporter to look for during the entire John Carlos Stanton trade saga. Uh, like he had everything before Rosenthal, before Passant. So I, I trust him. I'm sure he's in contact with like Lopez's agents or something. Yeah, I, I mean, I imagine he has sources close to Lopez, considering he pitched there for yes, um, you know, since like 2017. Yes. Um. But yeah. Uh, yeah, Lopez gets four years, thirty-seven and a half million, or not thirty-seven, seventy-three and a half million dollars. Yeah, 
big big difference there. Got my numbers mixed up. What a steal that would have been. Uh, yeah, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, I you know, it, there's a lot of aspects to the deal um, here, and to be honest, it, it it surprised me a little that you know he gets he gets four years here, um, and you know from a player's perspective, I understand obviously wow. taking Fangraphs is so quick they already have it in. Oh wow. <laughs> Dang. Yeah, go ahead. Um but uh but yeah, it's it's a little surprising. He's he's only twenty seven right now. Mm-hmm. Um however he does have a little bit more uh service time than your average twenty seven year old. He came into the season with uh four years of service time. So does uh Fangr- did did they say whether it buys off this year or not? It does not. So it starts next year. Uh, I believe it would buy out three years of free agency because he's at four four years of service time now. So he would get to five by the end of this year. Yeah. So yeah, that would buy out three years. There's no options or anything. It's just a straight up four. I mean, I guess maybe there are, but they haven't been reported yet. This is very breaking. But uh, it would be an average annual value of eighteen million dollars a year. That's about the qualifying offer. Probably a little less. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, good deal for the Twins. Good deal for Pablo Lopez. Yeah, I, so so yeah, it's he's 27, so he's that this takes him uh from age 28 to 31 where he's getting 73 and a half million dollars. If he does really well in the co- in the contract, he can get himself another big contract as well. Um so that's pretty good for him. Uh and I like this, yeah, as you said, good deal for Lopez, good deal for the Twins because uh the Twins outside of like Joe Ryan, they don't necessarily have a lot of long-term starting pitcher options. Yeah, they have a lot of good starting pitcher options at the moment, but long-term. Right, right. Uh, you know, you got Sonny Gray out there. He's approaching his mid-30s, and uh, I think, is he a free agent after this year? Sonny Gray is a free agent after this year. Yeah, so he's a free agent after this year. Tyler Molle is a free agent after this year, and also you don't really know what his performance is going to be like long-term. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and yeah, like, am, am I miss is, is Bailey Ober? Uh, he's healthy? probably pre-RIP. He's not currently. Yeah. Um, unfortunately he's just had a hard time staying on the field. Yeah. I mean, obviously Joe Ryan is pre-RIP. He made his debut last year. Bailey Ober, same thing. Um, I mean, the twins are kind of building something in the 2027 season. They have Pablo Lopez, Carlos Correa and Byron Buxton locked up. True. Pretty true. cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, it it was good. You know, the Twins had uh, had signed some good position players, so mm-hmm. it's good to add a, a starting pitcher to the mix to have yeah. uh, long-term. Um, and, yeah, obviously they still need to do a little bit more to uh, be considered among the top. Um, and if, you, if you're a Twins fan and you want to think, like, oh, is this a good deal? Is this, is it not? Um, not that this was, these were under the same circumstances, but... A similar deal that happened over the offseason, Taiwan Walker got four years, yeah. $72 million. Um, uh, Taiwan Walker's career ERA plus up to that point was 105. Uh, Pablo Lopez's current career ERA plus is 109, so he's 4% better than Walker. And also, the big, the bigger thing is Lopez is uh, three years younger than Taiwan Walker. Um, so I really like this deal for the Twins is what I'm trying to say. Yes. Um, yes, this is very good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and you know the twins aren't, uh, you know, not not nowhere close to the luxury tax. They're not, you know, they're not uh, 
airtight over there. Yeah, and Lopez has kind of been leading the Twins rotation, which has been among the best in baseball. They Their rotation leads the majors in, in ERA uh, at 2.58. They're third in F4 behind only the Rays and the Yankees. Um and, I mean, they have a pretty deep-looking rotation right now. One of the best that they've had in a while. Pablo Lopez, obviously, like I said, leading the way. 11.42 strikeouts per nine. Uh, a, a FIP of 271. And he has .7 F4. Sonny Gray right behind him. Joe Ryan. Kenta Maeda came back from the IL. He is over uh, a strikeout per inning and hasn't walked a guy yet. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. And Tyler Malley. Uh, you know, very dependable starter. He has been giving up a few home runs, but yeah, you know that'll that'll even itself out. I mean, he has a twenty five percent home run to fly ball ratio, so yeah, <laughs> I don't think that's going to continue. Yeah, that's like more than twice league average. Yes. Um. Yeah. Pablo Lopez leads the entire MLB in strikeouts right now. Wow. Um. Yeah, I just saw the bold italicize <laughs> there. Uh, granted, not everyone has made their fourth start yet, but still. Yeah. Um. It means he's getting innings and and also getting strikeouts. And, you know, I wouldn't expect him to end up (laughs) leading the league in strikeouts. He's not necessarily a guy that that always gets 11 strikeouts per nine. I mean, DeGrom is pitching today, and he's probably like two behind. Yeah, yep, yep. (laughs) (laughs) With one less start. Right, right. Um, But, yeah, this should should be good. It's it's all, yeah, it's not a a long-term deal. They didn't sign him for seven years. Uh, and really, really, really committed to him. Um, so a safe deal. And for Lopez, hopefully you do well f- during this contract. You go back out on the market at age 32. You get another one of these contracts and uh, set yourself up even more. Yeah, that's that's pretty much the ideal scenario right there. Yeah. And uh, another younger... Anything more on uh, Lopez? No. Uh, all right, another younger guy even younger than uh than pablo lopez the guy who i think is still pretty arb um until the end of this year or no wait i think this is his first this year is his first year of arb of arbitration yeah. yes uh logan webb uh gets a five-year 90 million dollar extension from the uh san francisco giants it buys off three years of free agency um it will take him through his age 31 season, like Pablo Lopez's contract will. Um, what do you think about this deal? So Logan Webb is the first player that the Giants have locked up beyond the 2025 season. The only players that they have scheduled for that season are Mitch Hanniger and Taylor Rogers. Uh, yeah. So, you know, the Giants, they're a team that isn't afraid to spend a lot of money, but they, you know, kind of have a lot of weird one-year, two-year deals that... Uh, you know, have a pretty large average annual value, but they don't really have anyone that is their guy for the long run. Uh, and now Logan Webb is that guy. And on this current roster, I think there's no one more fitting uh, to have fit that role. Logan Webb came into the majors uh, in 20, I believe, 19. Struggled for a little bit, but then really broke out in 2021. Uh, we saw what he did in the postseason against the Dodgers. Uh, in those two starts, he was magnificent. Uh, and he's also a very good ground ball pitcher, which I think, you know, suggests a lot of a lot of good long term stability. You know, he doesn't rely too heavily on strikeouts or, you know, a high velocity. Uh, you know, so, I mean, he has a lot of redeeming qualities. And I think that this is going to be a very good deal for the Giants. Right. Yeah. And, and if you don't know too much about Logan Webb, uh, Logan Webb's career story, he Sort of his first couple years um, was kind of getting his, his footing in Major League Baseball. A couple uh, short years with ERAs over five. 
uh, started the 2021 season in the Giants rotation, was doing all right, got injured, and then when he came back from injury, uh, he just started pitching like an elite pitcher. And uh, ever since that injury, he has a 2.92 ERA and a 2.91 FIP. Uh, out of 38 qualifiers since he came back from injury in 2021, uh, he is ninth in ERA and sixth in FIP. The only pitchers ahead of him in FIP since Webb came back from injury in 2021 are uh, Kevin Gosman, Max Fried, Aaron Nola, Corbin Burns, and Shane McClanahan. Um, so, Logan Webb is, is kind of an elite company there. And yeah, that doesn't even uh, include his crazy postseason success that he had in the in yeah. those two starts against the Dodgers. Um, and yeah, so the Giants... And yeah, yeah, it, this is a really this is a really good deal for the Giants because like the Twins, their their payroll isn't necessarily airtight. The Giants usually spend a lot of money and they tried to. They yeah. tried to this offseason, but they, you know, ran into some weird situations with Judge and, and Correa. Um, so they stuck to some two year, three year deals. And now they're uh now they're extending Webb. Um, you know, you know, yeah, first guy beyond 2025 that they're that they're uh, committing money to, and hopefully this is the start of a uh, of a trend here. Yeah, I agree. Um, however, I don't know. Yeah, I don't know how many other guys on the roster that you'd want to extend right now. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean the average age. I mean, if you look at all the guys that they've given multiple years to, it's like Jock Peterson, 31; Michael Conforto, age 30; Brandon Crawford's 36; Mitch Hanniger's 32; Alex Woods, 32; Sean Manaya is 31; Ross Stripling is 33; Anthony Discalfani is 33; Taylor Rogers is 32; Alex Cobb is 33; Luke Jackson is 31; Wilmer Flores is 31; uh, Roberto Perez is 34; Darren Ruff is 36. Like yeah. they have overwhelmingly, I'm assuming the oldest team not only that but even their guys that are in arb right now like jacob junis is 30 john brebby is about to be 33 scott alexander's 33 jd davis is 30 austin slater's 30 mike estremsky is 32 taylor tyler rogers is 32 uh yeah they have to have like the highest percentage of like plate appearances and innings pitch taken up by guys over 30 in the league and right. logan webb like we mentioned is 26 yeah right right right, right. so yeah um so yeah, it's it's good to good to have you know youth on their side in that in that sense, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, it takes him through his age thirty one season, and yeah, there's no there's no expectation that he would be <laughs> any different by the end of the uh, by the end of the contract, because yeah. Uh, yeah, pitchers pitchers actually tend to do a little bit better in like their early mid thirties, mm-hmm. um, at least you know the better ones do and. Logan Webb is in that is in that tier, um, but yeah, you gotta you gotta like it from a Giants perspective. They wanted to spend money over the off season, r- ran into some stuff, and uh, were able to spend money on their guy. Like this is their guy. Um, they've he's been in the organization his entire career, I believe. Yeah. Um, and uh, and he's uh he's gonna stick around through age thirty one. Um, what what do you want to get into next? Um, I had a tweet thread, very very mini tweet thread on uh on Saturday, uh, and I feel I felt like I wanted to get a little more into it. Uh, mm-hmm. so on Saturday it was Jackie Robinson Day, of course. Uh, one of the most important days on the baseball calendar, obviously. Uh, everyone wearing forty two, honoring the legacy and the life of Jackie Robinson, uh, a figure that 
goes beyond not just baseball but also the sports realm you know he's an american icon someone who represented a very important part of like the civil rights movement and you know freedom for for marginalized communities uh and i think this jackie robinson day has a significance that didn't really get much recognition mostly because it's kind of uh the it's not exactly confirmed to be what i'm saying but you know there are records suggesting that major league baseball played its first games in 1871 uh there was a little bit of discrepancy over that and i think that's kind of why this didn't get a lot of recognition but 1871 is according to many when major league baseball played its first games it took 76 years for Jackie Robinson to break the color barrier in 1947, where he, of course, made his debut. Um, he was the, I think, that, you know, he was one of the first black players, if not the first, uh, to officially play in Major League Baseball and to really establish himself uh, as a player in the game. And we just, you know, obviously April 15th is the anniversary of his debut. That's when we celebrate Jackie Robinson Day. And this year was the 76th anniversary of Jackie Robinson making his debut. So, you know, if you think back to 1947 and think, man, that was a long time ago, that's how long it took for black players to be able to play uh, in Major League Baseball, you know, with with their white counterparts. That's how long it took, um, which I think puts it in a, in a very interesting perspective that, you know, they were shut out for that long. Um, and... I think something that doesn't really get considered is that there are a lot of black players that miss their opportunity because they were born a little bit earlier. And I'm not even talking about the guys like, you know, Josh Gibson or Satchel Paige that, you know, got to play in the the Negro Leagues and, you know, in some cases got like the very tail end of their careers in the majors. But, you know, the Negro League started up in 1920, which coincidentally is the start of the live ball era. And Chris, you and I have obviously talked a lot about the dead ball era and how much was accomplished during that time. You know, there were three position players that accumulated a hundred wins above replacement in Hannes Wagner, Ty Cobb and Naples. Uh, and I think that there's a lot of lost history there because there was probably a lot of potential black players in the 1910s. And before that, that never got any chance to play professional baseball. Uh, and we'll never know, but I'd be willing to bet that there, that those names would have been out there. Um, so I feel like we should not only take Jackie Robinson Day to honor Jackie's life, but also to remember the potential lost history that we could have had. Right. Yeah. And and we're two we're two guys that uh, you know have gotten into the history aspect of baseball, especially over um, especially over quarantine and whatnot. And uh, and yeah, it, it, you know things would be a lot more interesting if the if the talent. Uh, pool was up to its highest potential, um, which obviously would have, you know, if there were, if the color barrier, if the color barrier had been broken uh, a lot earlier, the talent pool would have been a lot higher. Um, and yeah, it's it's easy to lose perspective on it now because you know we're two people that not only um, have we been alive for the entire time the color barrier has been broken, we've been alive for the entire time Jackie Robinson Day has been a thing. Yeah, uh, it's been a thing since 1997. Um, you know they they retired it and all uh, for all teams except for the the guys that were already wearing it, um, and uh, and you know they've been wearing forty two for uh, twenty six twenty seven years, um, so yeah we we just know that but it's so it's easy to lose perspective on the history of the game and what it was like you know eighteen 
you know, late 1800s, early 1900s. Um, cause yeah, there's, there's a lot of people who we should be talking about that we aren't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And we'll never know who those names were right? Uh, in the 1910s, in the 1900s, maybe even the 1800s, who knows? One thing that I kind of realized, like, it's an interesting perspective to think about how, you know, Major League Baseball is now just entering the point where half of its history has been integrated. We are just now exiting the point where most of the game's history has been discriminatory. And I was like, man, wait until we get to that point with, like, American history. Yeah, 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 yeah. Because we're not even close Mm -hmm. to that. Right, 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 right. Um, So, yeah. Uh, yeah, that was, you know, that was an interesting thread, a, a perspective I haven't really thought of because, yeah. you know, obviously I don't, you know, that doesn't really get put out there much. And yeah, the, mm-hmm. the weird, the, the discrepancy on like, when did major league baseball start? Cause yeah. technically they, uh, celebrated 150 years in 2019. Cause yeah. I think this, the Cincinnati Red Stockings yeah. started but even in then, 1969. You know, but even if it's 1969 or 1869, we would have recently reached the point where we re- we reached the halfway point between the start of baseball, Jackie Robinson's debut, or and maybe, now. And I don't think n- any of that was ever mentioned. Uh, and Well, if, if it was 1869, it would be worse because it would be a longer time with uh, segregation. That's correct. <laughs> um, so, yeah. So if it does go back to 1869, we're still not at the... That's true. ...at the halfway point. So maybe, point. maybe it gets mentioned next year. Year I don't know. I, I can't do immediate math in my right. head right now <laughs> yeah lots you know it's four digits i think lots, it, i think that would be well, that'd there. be 78 years so it'd be two years from now right another two years from now where we reach that point yeah yeah and <clears throat> yeah for for two you know sort of history buffs guys that or baseball history buffs mm-hmm. um <laughs> yeah <laughs> clarify yeah um it's two baseball history buffs um, yeah, it, it's, it provides a lot of perspective because, you know, we, we did the history series on our show, uh, back in 2020, 2021, um, did, uh, a lot of pre-integration players and, but yeah, they, they were playing in a lower talent pool, um, unfortunately, and it, it would have been nice to know what the, what that talent pool would have looked, would have looked like. Yeah. Um, for sure. Uh, so, so yeah, a, an interesting thread you'd you had um and uh as we, you know we move on to uh some more baseball news uh you know we could we could break them down a little bit briefly yeah uh, but the texas rangers are they leading the al west they are leading the al west look at that yeah um, the angels are one game under 500 the mariners are 500 and the astros are i think two games under actually um yeah so and the Rangers, they they went out, they went to uh, Minute Maid Park, faced the Astros, took two out of three from them. So, you know, and and that wasn't even with, uh, you know, they didn't have Degrom on the on the mound at all. Um, so yeah, I mean, it, it's a pretty good look for them. Yeah. Um, what are you thinking about the Rangers? Well, it's definitely been they've definitely been what we thought they were. Is that they are pitching really well and their hitting is kind of meh. They have a they don't happen to be doing anything particularly well on the offensive side of the game, where, or at least the non-pitching side of the game, because they have the tw- they rank 21st in position player F4 at 
Uh, they have a 98 weighted runs created plus. They have minus 1.5 BSR, which is base running, and minus 1.5 defense, minus 1.9 defensive runs above average. So, uh, and it's uh, Corey Seager is now hurt, and I mean, if you look at their lineup, like you see how thin they are with their offensive depth. Um, they did, which granted, they did score nine runs last night without him against Framber Valdez, but regardless, you know, there there are certainly still some question marks. But on the pitching side, uh, they rank fourth in pitcher F4 behind just the Rays, Mariners, and Yankees. Um, it looks like a lot of that is due to their bullpen because they weren't top three in... Yeah, they have the highest bullpen, or they're tied for the highest bullpen F4 uh, with the Orioles, Pirates, Mariners. Um, so their bullpen's been outstanding so far. Uh, it's been led in F4. Actually, it's been led in general by Will, Will Smith, believe it or not. Yeah. Uh, in six and two-thirds innings, he has 12.5 strikeouts per nine. Uh he has a 1.135 ERA and a 1.97 FIP. Yeah, uh, yeah. I, I was looking at the Rangers last night out of curiosity because I knew mm-hmm. uh, we would uh, we would discuss them today. Um, and yeah, the bullpen did surprise me. They have the second best FIP in the the Rangers bullpen has the second best FIP. So I dug into that a little more, and you know, I realized they have the lowest home runs per nine. Yeah. Um, which you know. That makes their X FIP a lot worse than their how FIP. Does, uh, how does Ian Kennedy have a negative sixteen point seven left on base percentage? Uh, maybe maybe he came in in extra innings or something. Nah, I get that's probably it. Yeah. Um, I guess that's how they calculate it. That's so weird. Yeah, yeah, it is interesting. Um, but uh, but with with the Rangers also, so I dug into why they have the lowest home runs per nine a little bit and saw. Tried to see if it was more luck or, you know, if they were actually, if the fly balls they were allowing were very, like, softly hit or something. The Rangers bullpen has the third lowest expected slugging against and the third highest pop-up rate. Ah. So, you know, I don't think it's strategic. I think it's just how it's lined up. But, you know, maybe not necessarily looking at the XFIP there because they have a low expected slugging. And uh, and a very high pop up rate, which obviously that's always going to land as an out. Um, so yeah, the the Rangers bullpen so far um, doing very well, even outside. Like Brock Burke hasn't been their best reliever. He should, you know, he'll, he'll probably mm-hmm. he'll probably end up being their best reliever. But he's allowed a couple runs so far. But you got Will Smith out there doing well. It's uh it's interesting. Yes, it is. Um, and yeah, I I really want Corey Seager to get back out on the field because yep. he like. Uh, it just looks. It it was so cool to see him like have a have a, an actual like <laughs> him doing actually well and not having the shift uh, ruin his chances. And he had a four oh six BABIP, which yeah, not too sustainable. But he was hitting the ball extremely hard. He has over a thousand OPS, and yeah, left hamstring strain. Hopefully that gets uh, taken care of, resolved, whatnot, um, all that because yeah. What Corey Seager was doing, you know, it's it's a it's a no shift world, and and he's a he's a excelling in it, like yeah. like we all expected. Yep. Um, anything? Uh, anything? And by the way, uh, Jacob Degrom, don't look at his ERA. He's he's doing great. Yeah. No, like actually, do not look at his ERA. Don't look at. It. 
In fact, like not like that's not a way of saying like, oh, just pretend it doesn't exist. Like, no, actually, like ignore it. It doesn't mean as much as you think it does. Yeah, and and, and it's why I mentioned him as my non-overreaction from opening day weekend. Yeah, because that start was extremely unlucky, and yeah, he has like a one three zero or one three one FIP or something like that. It's nuts. Uh, his strikeout strikeout to walk numbers are better than ever, and uh, I think he's allowed one home run in sixteen. Yes, yeah, it was against the Phillies. It was against the Phillies, um, and it was yeah, it wasn't even a bad pitch. It was like a fastball high in the zone, um, which usually guys don't get to, but uh, Alec Bohm found a way to do it. Um, and uh, and it, let me use Jacob Degrom as a thing to say: don't really look at anyone's ERA through their first three starts. Yeah, There's seriously. a lot of weird things that can happen over yeah. the course of three starts. If you're going to do that, at least look at their BABIP too. Yeah, look at their BABIP, look at their expected numbers, look at their FIP. Um, you know, I'll I'll excuse looking at solely an ERA after 30 starts, but not three. Um, it's uh, it's it's you know, it's not reliable. I I've uh, I argued. I had an argument with a uh, <laughs> <laughs> with a friend, a guy, a guy I like. Yes. Um, <laughs> um, about uh, Richard Plyer and his, you know, I proposed the idea that he's getting unlucky. Griffin Canning is starting he, this week. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, I'm off track. But <laughs> I forgot he was still in the organization. Yeah, that's a guy. That's I know he started probably last year, but that's a guy I haven't heard in years. Yeah. <laughs> But yeah, I, you know, in regards to ERA, I had an argument with a with a friend on 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 Twitter. He called he first of all he called Richard Blyer a guy with no control, which is just <laughs> silly to say. I, yeah, dude. It's you've clearly this was your first time watching Richard Blyer. It's like that's literally like that's quite literally like saying Aaron Judge can't hit home runs. It's it's it's, it's exactly <laughs> like based on I numbers. Know that, I know that seems like an extreme example, but based on skill set, it's not. Yeah, no. Yeah, not obviously Daniel's not saying like Blyer is as Blyer is as good as a pi- of a pitcher as he is at, as, as Aaron Judge, Judge is a hitter. No, he's saying he, Blyer is as good at walk prevention as Aaron Judge is at home runs <laughs> because Blyer out of 291 pitchers to throw 300 plus innings since his career started, uh he has the second lowest walk rate. Um which yeah, Aaron Judge is probably on, in that range. Um, since 2017 or something. Um, but yeah, anything more before we get into uh, players to highlight? Uh, no, I think that was kind of it. All right. Well, um, that will do it for the uh, for the news. Now we get into um, first players or subjects that uh, have really been standing out to us so far with our. Monday, April 17, 2022, 2023 edition of... How about that? Uh, who do you have for us today? So my how about that is a guy that I highlighted on this segment last year that has continued to dominate. I'm talking about Jorge Mateo of the Baltimore Orioles. He is slashing 344, 431, 651 for a 1083 OPS and a 192 weighted runs created plus. He is one of just seven position players in baseball to have an F4 above one this season, at or above one. So he is in the top seven among all position players in F4, as we all expected yeah. uh, you know, at this point in the season. Uh, between 2022 and 23. 
His average exit velocity has gone from 86.8 miles per hour to 92 miles per hour. He's, his hard hit rate has gone from 32.7% to 44.7%, a 12% increase. His K rate has gone from 27.6% to 17%, a 10% drop. His walk rate has gone from 5.1% to 9.4%, that's a 4.3% increase. And lastly, his outside swing percentage has gone from 39.4% to 26.5%. So in essence, he's hitting the ball harder. And he's striking out less, walking more, and chasing less. Those are all really good things. Uh, his batted ball profile has also changed, but not in a way that you'd normally expect in most hitters. He is hitting a lot more ground balls and less fly balls. However, we're talking about Jorge Mateo here. He has 99th percentile sprint speed. So that means when he hits ground balls, he's going to do a lot better on them than the average player. In fact, he has a 421 BABIP on ground balls this year this year. Obviously that'll go down a little bit, but you know, it's not going to go down that drastically. It's not going to go down to probably league average. Yeah. Uh, he also has 93rd percentile outs above average, which is kind of solidifying him as a guy that can really do it all. He runs the bases very well. He can hit for contact and power as we're seeing, and he plays very good defense. Lastly, his 467 average against breaking balls ranks 5th in the majors, and his 1118 slugging ranks 1st. This is among guys with minimum 10 batted balls against breaking balls. So Jorge Mateo has been outstanding for the Orioles recently. Uh, Jorge Mateo. How about that? Uh, yeah, very good stuff there. Um, yeah, he's, he's someone who you know he's going to play good defense. You know he's going to... Uh, run the base as well when he gets on base, mm-hmm. um, but, but he just but he just happens to have a 192 weighted runs yeah, created plus. Yeah, you, you know, last year his he was his weighted runs created plus was probably in the 80s or something. You know, below average hitter. But mm-hmm. yeah, if he if he's if he's hitting the ball well, he's like a really really good player. Um, so that's uh that's very interesting. Good analysis there. Uh, my uh, player to watch or my player to highlight. My how about that. Is uh we're doubling up. Oh wow. We're du- no doubling up on uh, the team? team. Okay. Yeah. We're doubling up here with the Baltimore Orioles. Shout out to Saber Fifty. Uh <laughs> Austin Hayes. Uh so Austin Hayes on opening day uh went 0 for five with two strikeouts. And since then he's hitting three eighty two with an eleven fifteen OPS. Uh, in this span, he ranks fourth in average, eighth in slugging, sixth in OPS, and sixth in weighted runs created plus. Uh, out of 230 batters with 25-plus batted balls in this span, Austin Hayes' average exit velocity ranks 24th. His expected Wobo ranks 10th, and expected slugging ranks 9th. Um, with Hayes, he is hitting fly balls at the same rate as ground balls at 36.6%, which is uh, the 26th highest rate out of 230 and on those fly balls Hayes is hitting 467 and slugging 1267 uh also with Hayes he's hitting barrels at a 24.4 percent rate which is the eighth highest rate out of 230 uh after uh opening day so Austin Hayes also of the Baltimore Orioles earning a um all right so uh that does it for how about that? Now we go from the uh, from the highs to the lows, where we're talking players or subjects that have been underperforming with our 
Monday, April 17, 2023 edition of... Slightly Alarming. Um, who do you have for us today? So my Slightly Alarming is continuing a very unfortunate trend uh, for his team, specifically new additions of his team. I'm looking at Gene Segura of the Miami Marlins. He is slashing 185, 228, 185 for a 413 OPS. Shout out to Western Massachusetts and a 15 weighted runs created plus. Among the 193 qualifiers, his OBP ranks sixth worst. His slugging percentage is second worst. His thir- his OPS ranks third worst, and his weighted runs created plus ranks fourth worst. So he has been unequivocally among the worst hitters in baseball this season, and he is only one of three qualifiers to not yet record an extra base hit, uh, which is pretty concerning. He is never. He has always been a ground ball hitter, but he has taken it up another notch this season. His negative two point nine degree launch angle ranks third lowest among the 271 qualifiers. Also, his fly ball rate of 7.1% ranks third lowest on the list of, I believe, 249 uh, qualifiers on that list. Uh, He has also never had a career strikeout rate above 20%. Right now, he is at 21.1%, and this is because he is chasing more and getting less results on that. His outside swing percentage is at a career high of 44.5%. It has never topped 38.5% before the season, and its outside contact rate is at a 6.5% drop from last year. Look, we've seen a lot of Marlins position players that have struggled. Uh, yeah, Marlins position players that have struggled after being acquired by the team. We saw it with Jorge Soler last year, Avisel Garcia, Jacob Stallings, and Gene Segura is not helping that narrative at all. Yeah, uh, Gene Segura getting a slightly alarming. Um, so my slightly alarming is similar in that he is a second baseman, probably early 30s in his first year with a new organization, and that is uh, Colton Wong, uh, who I was excited about. I was excited that the Mariners got him. I I figured, uh, and I do still figure that this was a good trade for the Mariners to get rid of Winker and add uh, Wong instead. Mm-hmm. Um, however, Colton Wong, to start the year, is hitting 114 with a 329 OPS. Out of 193 qualifiers, he ranks last in average, last in slugging, last in OPS, last in weighted runs created plus. Uh, He also has the 13th lowest expected WOBA out of 193. And out of uh, 250 hitters with 25 plus batted balls, his expected slugging is seventh lowest. Uh, This doesn't necessarily have to do with him striking out a lot or not walking enough. It has to do with the... uh, it has to do with his batted balls and his batted ball profile. His average exit velocity is 83.4 miles per hour, which is fourth lowest out of 250 batters. He also has a 20.6% sweet spot rate, which is 15th lowest, an 11.8% line drive rate, which is 12th lowest, and a 14.7% pop-up rate, which is 17th highest. You know, 14.7% pop-up rate, along with the fact that he's uh, actually hitting ground balls also at an above-average rate. Very bad recipe for uh, for a batted ball profile. Most most of the time, you know, if you're if you get a lot of pop-ups, you also put the ball in the air and get you know more fly balls, more barrels. But Colton Wong is not getting any of that. He hasn't hit a barrel yet this year. Yet he's popping up at a 14.7% rate. Um, he's just not putting the ball in the right place. 
nor is he hitting the ball hard. So uh, Colton Wong is getting a... Slightly alarming. Very good stuff. Real quick, the Texas Rangers have just dropped their City Connect uniforms. I did see that, yeah. yeah. What, what do we think? Um, it depends on the player for... With the pants, it yeah. depends on the player for me. <laughs> like, some guys like are pulling it off really well. Some guys I feel like are not. I I don't hate them. I don't hate them. Yeah, uh, no. I don't. I mean, they're not my favorites, but but I think they could be worse. Yeah. Yeah. I I, I think you know if I'm ranking them, I'm putting them at the middle of the pack for sure. I'd agree. Yeah. Um, I think the worst ones are kind of the Braves. <laughs> Not, well, yeah. not 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 because of like the the message is good you know they were obviously doing a tribute to Hank Aaron that's fine they just didn't do a lot it's like my 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 judgment on City Connect uniforms is a, a combination of how they look and how much effort it looks like was put in yeah yeah um and the rain you know the Braves ones look fine mm-hmm. they just it doesn't seem like they did a whole lot right 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 um yeah there was not much originality in that one uh, necessarily. Um, all right, so that does it for players to highlight. So now we get into a preview of the week ahead, um, you know, where I will be uh, talking about the series to watch. Daniel will be breaking down the day-by-day pitching matchups, and uh, I am looking at looking at some series right now, seeing what piques my interest here um in terms of some high profile series there's there's a few of them um i'd say astros blue jays is definitely one to look out for um that's a potential playoff matchup this year uh it could have happened last year if the if that's the blue true. jays didn't bl- blow a uh what, seven run lead seven and then lead. go on to win game of three yeah um so yeah could have happened last year but but didn't but yeah that'll be happening this week in houston um Another higher-profile series they sort of just played. Um, it's Padres and Braves. Uh, Padres took three out of four from the Braves last time. However, since then, the Braves have won six in a row, albeit lower competition, but they are streaking right now. Um, while the Padres, I believe, lost their series or split their series against uh, Milwaukee. Um, and uh, speaking of Milwaukee, Milwaukee will be heading to T-Mobile Park to face the Mariners. Um, which are, you know, two uh, potential playoff contenders. I know the Brewers are leading the NL Central right now, and the Mariners are a projected playoff team pretty much. And uh, another pair of projected playoff teams are the Mets and Dodgers, who will be facing off at Chavez Ravine. Uh, it'll be, uh, yeah, Dodgers hosting. A um, lot, uh, lot of star players in action there. Um, and when the Mets and Dodgers played against each other last year, it was usually some good baseball, so... Uh, something to watch out for for sure so yeah. lots of good series to look out for both on the uh well not necessarily on the uh east coast but on the in the central of the country and the west coast west coast particularly yes. uh, lots of, lots of late action to look forward to what do you got for the day-by-day matchups so today on monday uh at any moment we're gonna be kicking off shohei otani versus brian bayo in the finale of red sox angels at fenway going to be an exciting one for sure both in Otani pitching and also Bayo coming back from the IL uh in Rays Reds we have Jalen Beeks versus Hunter Green uh, Hunter Green always very exciting to watch uh in Giants Marlins we have the newly paid man Logan Webb going up against Jesus Lazardo. 
in Phillies White Sox is Zach Wheeler versus Lance Lynn. In uh, Rangers Royals, Jacob DeGrom will be going for the Rangers in Kansas City. In Diamondbacks Cardinals, it'll be Merrill Kelly versus Jack Flaherty. Jack Flaherty looking to kind of turn the start of his season around. In Cubs A's, Hayden Wesneski, who has struggled this year, going up against Kyle Muller, the opening day starter for Oakland. In Braves Padres, Max Freed coming off the IL to face a very good Padres lineup against Ryan Weathers. Uh, in Brewers and Mariners, Corbin Burns versus Chris Flexen. Mets Dodgers, we have David Peterson versus Dustin May. And matchup of the night comes from a series you mentioned, Blue Jays Astros. It's going to be Kevin Gosman versus Christian Javier. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's um, you get the pop up Prince versus the uh, the no walk man. I don't know the guy. The, the guy, guy with an awesome fit, but not a great batted ball profile. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, He'll give up a ton of hard hit balls that stay in the park. Yes, <laughs> that's exactly what his twenty twenty two was. Yeah. Um, what do you got for Tuesday? In uh, the opener of Guardians Tigers, Eduardo Rodriguez will be going for Detroit. Nick Lodolo will be facing the Rays for the Reds. The Rays have not announced their starter, but Lodolo has had an excellent start to the season so far. Alex Wood versus Edward Cabrera and his uh, 1,000 miles per hour changeups in uh, Giants Marlins. You will have Josiah Gray going for the Nationals against the Orioles in the Bellway Series in Washington. Uh, Jose Suarez and Clark Schmidt will be facing each other in Angels-Yankees. Uh, Sonny Gray versus Chris Sale. We got a 2014 classic in uh, Twins-Red Sox. <laughs> yeah. I mean, Sonny, Sonny, Sonny Gray. I was like, one of those guys is still performing very well, and the other guy is Chris Sale. Sonny Gray, uh, yeah. I mean, I'm looking forward to what he's got this year after uh, after what he did against the Tigers last year in the postseason. Yeah. <laughs> uh yeah, did nothing better than a 2014 classic. It's it's uh yeah, I mean they're they're probably running short on time, but I mean it it makes it more special when when one appears. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> All right. Um in Phillies White Sox Lucas Giolito will be going for Chicago. I feel like most of the White Sox schedule has been uh National League. I don't know. I'm probably just dead wrong on that, but like they faced the Pirates earlier, they faced the Phillies. I don't know. That's just most of what I remember from the White Sox season so far. Yeah, because like they were there when Kutch was, you know, was he when he came back? Yeah, I feel like they haven't had too many divisional matchups. Yeah, no, they did just face the well, they faced the Orioles. Uh, the Orioles. In Rangers Royals, it'll be Nathan Ovaldi versus Brad Keller. Cardinals Diamondbacks, an interesting one here. Dre Jameson, I believe, is he making his first start of the season? He might be versus Jordan Montgomery. They just put him back in the rotation. He deserves to be there. In Blue Jays Astros, Chris Bassett, who struggled this season against Jose Urquidy. In Cubs A's, Marcus Stroman versus Ken Waldachuk. In Brewers Mariners, Colin Rhea. I didn't even know he was still playing. Good for him against Logan Gilbert. And in Mets Dodgers, it'll be Tyler McGill versus Clayton Kershaw. Matchup of the night comes from Braves Padres. Very two very similar pitchers. Spencer Strider versus Blake Snell. Yeah, yeah, and they they faced off not long ago against yeah. each other too. Blake Snell has kind of become like a meme now because every start of his is the same. It's yeah. like four and two thirds innings, ninety three pitches. Like two earned runs, yeah. Eight strikeouts. Eight strikeouts, like two walks. Yep. But yep. for for whatever reason, every at bat just goes like eight pitches. Yep. On average. Ab- absolutely. Yeah. 
not a ton is announced for Wednesday, I guess, as expected, but Cal Quantrill and Spencer Turnbull will be facing each other in Guardians and Tigers. Uh, poor Madison Baumgartner. They just keep dragging him out there to get shelled every start. Yeah. Uh, he's going to be going against the Cardinals and Jake Woodford, who actually looked pretty good in his last start. In Giants-Marlins, it'll be Alex Cobb versus Trevor Rogers, uh, Taiwan Walker versus Mike Clevenger in Phillies White Sox, Max Serger versus Noah Syndergaard in uh, Mets Dodgers. That's a 2016 NL East classic, right? Yeah. Max Serger versus Noah Syndergaard. <laughs> yeah. Uh, in Pirates Rockies, it'll be Johan Oviedo versus Austin Gomber. Uh, it'll be Justin Steele and James Caprillion in Cubs A's. Charlie Morton and Nick Martinez in Braves Padres. Eric Lauer, who will be facing the Mariners for the Brewers. Mackenzie Gore will be facing the Orioles for the Nationals. Griffin Canning, who I mentioned earlier, did not. I did not realize like the Angels were still throwing him out there. Good for him, though. Uh, he'll be pitching against Johnny Brito, who looked great in his first two starts but got lit up on Thursday. In Twins Red Sox, it'll be Joe Ryan versus Corey Kluber. In Blue Jays Astros, it'll be Jose Barrios versus Luis Garcia. And matchup of the day, I'm going to say, comes from Rangers Royals. I'm going to go with Martin Perez versus Brady Singer. Uh, yeah. Yeah, and with Bumgarner and the Cardinals, I remember watching him carve up the Cardinals. You know, Matt Holliday, yeah. uh, Matt Adams, uh, P. Cosma. I mean, just diced him up in the 2014 NLCS. So uh, I'm not worried about him. Almost nothing is announced on Thursday, but everything that is announced is pretty worth talking. Tanner Houck is uh, actually going to stay in the rotation uh, with the return of Brian Bayo. He is going to be starting against the Twins on Thursday at 1 p.m. Graham Ashcraft, who has a very good ERA, uh, and also throws 100, is going to be facing the Pirates for the Reds at PNC. For now, I'll put the matchup of the day uh, coming from Angels-Yankees, as it is Patrick Sandoval versus Nestor Cortez, a couple of lefties. Uh, I guess that is subject to change, but that's a pretty good matchup, and I feel safe putting it as matchup of the day right now. I feel like it would stay like that. It probably could. Similar style, I mean... uh... Except I'd say Cortez rides with the cutter a little more, and and Sandoval rides with this with the change slider up. offs. Yeah, slider change up, um, the off speed and breaking stuff for sure. But two guys who don't necessarily um, break the radar gun. Um, although Sandoval throws a little bit harder, I think. Yeah. Um, but but they get, you know, they get swings and misses. They get strikeouts, low walk rates and stuff. Yeah. So should be a fun matchup for sure. Um, <clears throat> so yeah, that does it for this edition of Above Replacement Radio. We hope you enjoyed this one. If you are listening on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and want to watch the conversation uh, as it happens, uh, when it does happen, uh, go to the YouTube channel that is called Above Replacement Radio and uh, watch our digital content, um, shorts and whatnot. Go check it out. Uh, and if you want to follow us on social media, follow me on Twitter at Chris underscore Gianta. Follow Daniel on both Twitter and Instagram at Daniel underscore Kern. And follow the show Instagram at Above Replacement Radio for all the show needs. Uh, we hope you enjoyed this one. And we hope to see you uh, probably on Friday where we will be talking all the happenings in Major League Baseball. Once again, we will see you then. This conversation. This conversation is over. Is over.